Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast. In my mind, you just wake up and go rake. Trout's ready. 3-2. He struck him out! Otani strikes out Trout, and Japan's back on top of the baseball world. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. Episode 76 of Wake and Rake Podcast, part of the Belief Podcast Network. Brooksy, what's up, brother? Where you been, man? You know what? I finally had some time at home because I was in Fort Myers a ton. So I got like seven days at home. Tomorrow, I drive back to Fort Myers for five days. Come back. I'll come home on the 28th. The night of the 28th, I'll come back after the game. Do some laundry. Pack a bag. And then we're shipping up to Boston, baby. For opening, opening day, day, baby. Opening day on the 30th. Ho. Uh, Jenny's actually flying up with me on the 29th. Uh, she has to host an event for for UMass, uh, Women of Eisenberg. It's this uh, department she was part of in college. And uh, so she's hosting that and giving a speech and talking to women about public speaking and how awesome she is, whatever, you know. Me and wife here, me and wife here watching CBS Sports HQ Spotlight the other day on CBS Sports Network. Jenny's hosting. She has Pete Prisco and Danny Cannell on. Samantha, my wife, is irate because Jenny is not allowed to get a word in about her NFL takes because Prisco and Danny Cannell are taking all. Well, the between time. those two, good well, luck. They're, they're doing their jobs because right. they're analysts. But my, from my wife's perspective, she wants to see Jenny. And allowed which Jenny day to... was that? Because today. I was on spotlight with her yesterday. It was yesterday. It was yesterday. I was on it. Well, it, I was on like the last segment. Mm. So <laughs> it, it's 4 15 Eastern, Eastern time. So I don't know, whatever that is your time, yeah. but uh, 1 15. So she stuck around. I, I have news. my uh, I wore my USA futures game jersey. Mm. For my segment, because it, we were talking, we were previewing the uh, WBC finals last night. Let's talk WBC, man. Goodness, I'm sad it's over. <clears throat> I am too. That was that was so enjoyable. Like there were multiple games where the game was over and my palms were sweating. Right, like they were, they were, it was just fun. There's no way. There's no you can't sugarcoat it. Like, it was just fun. It was fun baseball. It was enjoyable. There were high pressure moments. And you could tell on this stage, some of the world's best players were so passionate about the name on the front of their jersey and their heritage. And and it, it wasn't just Latin America, which they had the flair and the passion, the way they play. We saw it from U.S. We saw it from Great Britain. We saw it from the Czech Republic. All these different walks of life um, meeting in between the lines and just playing their asses off. And it was just pure. There were no unwritten rules. There were no worried about getting thrown at for celebrating. You could backflip down the line and <laughs> go to tip your hat. Like, whatever. Like, do your thing. And it just felt so pure to me. They didn't play for money. They were playing for their country. And it, yeah. it, I, I think it was Brit. And am I going to butcher this name? Is it Brit Grioli? Brit 
Would I couldn't hear what you said? Britt Grioli, the athletic writer. Giroli. Giroli. Yeah. She made a great point. She basically said, "All fans do is criticize athletes for only playing yeah. for money. They want more money. They want bigger contracts. They want incentive bait, whatever." And then all of a sudden, these players decide, "Oh, we're not going to play for money. We're going to play for the name on our chest." And they still get critics and they still get critiqued because <laughs> you shouldn't be sacrificing your bodies for a quote meaningless game. Yeah. Come whatever. On. Come on, guys. So you can take the opinions and shovel. Look at shovel. the numbers, people. Look at the numbers, and it'll tell you that this thing was anything from me. I didn't see the numbers from the finals or from Japan, Mexico, but I know Japan and Italy, 62 and a half million people watched. I, I don't know I don't know how legit the Japan Mexico ninety three point six yeah. uh, percent of televisions in Japan tuned in, which that was eight a.m. their time, so maybe. I have yet to get a real credible source with that ninety seven. What I have it right here. Well, there were a lot of credible people retweeting it, so take that for what it's worth. That 90, was really cool. Ninety seven point four percent of TVs in Japan were tuned in to watch Shohei. <laughs> if you don't believe that then maybe this will help support our takes here uh world baseball classic final average 4.48 million viewers on fs1 that is the most now I, sh I should rephrase that by saying a mlb regular season game has not had that much since 2011 it was very comparable to the NLCS last year with the Philadelphia Phillies and San Diego Padres game four. Um, very comparable to the Field of Dreams game in 2021 and 2022. That's awesome. So, if I tell you what, it's meaningless. You have, you have no evidence to support it. I no I love watching Team Japan. They are so fundamentally perfect. Like they make no mental mistakes. There was uh against Mexico. There was a guy, uh, Gendo. Is that his name? The shortstop. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was in a situation, first and second, no outs. So Bunna got bunt the runners over, and um, he didn't get the first two bunts down. And he had a last season in uh Nippon Baseball League. He had a hundred and fifteen sacrifice bunts. Jeez, oh, or. Not last season. In his career, excuse me. That makes more sense. In his career, say. in his career, he had 115 sacrifice bunts, which is a ton. Uh, maybe not over there, but it sounds like a ton for for us Americans who don't like to bunt, just hit dingers. But um, he didn't get the first two down, and I mean, in the dugout, there wasn't one. Like every face was just like, like this motherfucker. Like get get your, get the bunt down, and then two strikes, he got it down. Like they left it on. They're like, you're gonna you're gonna get this done. And he got it done. Suzuki like, Genda. Suzuki Genda. Genda, I, I got that right. Yeah, yeah, nailed it. I might have said Gendo. Yeah. Yeah. It's Genda. I was close. But um he got it down with with two strikes. Thought that was impressive. But like they make every routine play. They don't make mental mistakes. They run the base as well. How about the guy scoring the game winning run? 30 feet per second. Yeah. He almost caught Shohei, and Shohei's a damn Clydesdale. That was nuts. That was nuts. I was so hyped that uh, Mexico game. And I was hyped for both sides because I, you know, Yoshida plays for the Red Sox. Uh, 
Verdugo and Duran were on Mexico. So I was like back and forth. Like I had no, I didn't care who won. I just wanted an entertaining game and holy shit. I got it. <laughs> it reminds me of like when I went on my honeymoon moon with my wife, we w- went over to Europe. We got to see different countries. The reason I say this is because when you live in the same world all the time and you're watching the same games, the same league, the same players, you don't realize how much is out there. Yeah. So all of a sudden the world baseball classic comes into town. You realize how much these South American countries value their baseball. You What's realize- like a lot of these South American players, the Latin guys, most of them we've seen, right? Like, sure. But you go to Japan, Cuba, you're like, who, who? These guys are really good in Cuba. Obviously, they have their own situation. Well, I think it was their yeah. catcher that that didn't get on the plane. Yep, he's yeah. Welcome, Salute. welcome, bro. Come play. Predo, I think, is his last name. You saw the Nicaraguan pitcher Duke Abert signing with the yes. Detroit Tigers. The Tigers, yeah. What a story, huh? He was nasty. That changeup. Oh my god. Yeah. He's good. He's like a beanpole. How old is he? He's twenty-one. Okay. And he struck out Juan Soto, uh, Julio Rodriguez. And then gave up a double to Machado, and then he struck out Rafael Devers. Nasty. He doesn't throw hard. He just has a really nasty combo. I think, well, at some point, the game will cycle back. I, not anytime soon, actually, because everybody was throwing gas in this tournament. Team Japan, congratulations. I want to talk about the injuries that happen in the World Baseball Classic, because some people have opinions on it. Again, there's that same word meaningless comes up, which again, it's baseless. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the injuries that happen in the World Baseball Classic? Well, number one, it's unfortunate that you got guys like Altuve and Diaz, like big time players making a lot of money. Um, they are insured, so the teams are getting the money uh, for their salary. I don't know if that's like prorated based off of how much time they lose because Altuve is not going to miss the whole year, he's going to miss probably eight to 10 weeks. Yeah. Diaz obviously is it was what 18 million? Yeah, he's Something out like that. that he's well Patella, yeah, it's bad. Um I heard, I heard not to cut you off, but I heard that is potentially it's worse than ACL. It can be worse than ACL. Like it could be career threatening potentially. Uh I don't I don't think so. I think it's okay. I heard it's one of the worst leg injuries you could possibly suffer. Garrett Richards had it right in front of me one time, covering first base at Fenway. And I mean, you could hear a drop, a pin drop in that place, and you could just hear him screaming. It was awful. He was covering first and slipped. His foot slipped. I mean, in the the dug the dugouts at Fenway are like pushed down the line a little bit, so it was like right in front of first base. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he just his foot just slipped, and his back leg just kind of you know how if you slip, your back foot kind of gets trapped under you sometimes. Boom, right there. It was awful. But um, he he came back and pitched for a, many years after that. That was like twenty fourteen. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. Let's hope not. Let's hope he's back. the The game needs guys like that, but um, it, it's unfortunate, man. These guys get hurt, but guess what? Injuries happen everywhere. They happen in spring training. Guess why I'm here doing this right now? I'm not playing ball. Spring training broke my leg, dead. Right? It happens. I mean, the WBC is going nowhere, though. Like, like of course, there's owners and GMs that don't like it, but they understand. Like you you're really not going to tell these players, no, you can't go play for your country and represent your country. At the end of the day, the player's going to go. Um, and after all the insane viewer numbers too, this is really going nowhere because it's growing the game big time. It's hyping everybody up for the season. I think more people are going to watch the season now be- than they were before because they're more interested in the game. Yep. Um, 
I mean, shit, man. If you want to know how important it is, listen to the inter- go back and listen to the interviews uh, from the world's best players: Mike Trout, Shohei, Rosarena, Mookie Betts, like all these guys, and they're just so passionate about about it. It's not about money, like you said. It's about more than that. And it, honestly, if I, <laughs> playing in a game like that or in a tournament like that where the stakes are so high, the atmospheres are crazy. You're playing in front of big crowds. Um, there's stressful moments. Your heart rate's up. That's going to get you ready for the season a lot more than playing in front of 7,000 people in Port St. Lucie. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like a very small number of people got hurt. Freddie Freeman pulled a hammy, which it's minor. And then the two we talked about, uh, Arnado took a ball off the hand, but he was fine. Like, like it's a business decision and just like any, it is and just like any other business decision you have to weigh risk reward right in my mind and from what i saw i think those players would agree that an injury is actually worth it to have that experience to represent your country i wouldn't the, go the that risk far of it, the risk of it the risk of it yes the risk of it yeah the injury itself i don't know if it's worth it but it depends on the injury. <laughs> hindsight's always hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right. I'm not being like, man, I don't care if I blow my knee out. I just want to be part right. of this. Like, nah, mm, that's not true. I just think like, like we don't have a. Limit. But the risk, I agree. The risk. It's like, still baseball, and it's not. This is bucket here's list my stuff. here's my thing too. I want to make this point. A lot of people are bitching and complaining about the lack of star pitchers for the United States. So if you think about the star pitchers in Major League Baseball, a lot of them are older players, veteran players who've been around for 10 plus years. What's new this year? Pitch clock. These guys need to be in camp to get used to that pitch clock. Yeah. They didn't want to miss two and a half, three weeks, which they would have with Team USA. And and because WBC did not inherit those new rules that MLB's put in put in place. So I know you know that, but maybe someone doesn't who's listening to this. But there's no pitch clock. There's you could shift, uh, you can do whatever you want. Uh, in the WBC. So had you pitched for three weeks without it, and then you go back for a week of camp, like maybe get one more start before the season starts, and you haven't worked on that timing, I feel like that might be a big reason that guys didn't do it. Especially the older ones who are accustomed to working slow. Yeah. We don't have the Olympics anymore for baseball. Like players don't play in the Olympics. It's not a thing. Um, we see my Which, why? Why? Like, why? But like this is your one opportunity in your entire life to play for something bigger than your contract, bigger than yourself. It's your one chance to put that country on your chest and play in front of thousands, millions, maybe even billions of people when they add all the TV numbers and everything. Um, I totally understand it, man. So don't get on these players for getting injured. Part of the game. Brandon Nimmo got injured in spring training. You yourself got injured in spring training. Justin Turner hit the face. Like guys get hurt, man. That's part of the game. Um, these, I don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. There's nothing to do about it. Otani's just ridiculous, by the way. Dude, I I've always been on Otani, but like, part of me is like, he's not the best player. Like, he's really fun and good. Nah, fuck that, dude. I'm. He's. He doesn't even compare to anybody. Like, obviously, but. What we saw yesterday was him treat that like a high school summer league game. He's in the box hitting DH and smoking balls in the gap. 
oh, I'm going to run down and hang out in the bullpen to get ready to come close, and I'm going to throw 100 miles an hour against the best hitters in baseball. The best hitters. Mike Trout is arguably the best hitter of this generation. And he made him, I'm not going to say made him look silly, but he overpowered him. One nothing Otani. And I you know, a lot of people are like, that was it was a boring at bat. He just dominated him. Yeah, he did. That's what makes it even more special. Because that's how good I know Trout had a tough game, but people are like, he he didn't contribute anything in the tournament. Listen, he's a three oh three career hitter. He hit two ninety six in the tournament. He was himself. He was himself. What do you mean? He didn't contribute. He had like I don't know how many RBIs he had. He had enough. But Shohei came in. He gave him two fastballs to hit. That first one down, they were, I mean, down the deck, middle. 100, right down the middle, and he swung through it twice. And then that slider, 3-2. In my head, I'm thinking he threw the slider first pitch. He threw all fastballs after that. At that point, I was thinking along with Trout, and I was like, here comes a split. Like, mm-hmm. for sure. He hasn't thrown the split yet. He hasn't shown it. But he knows Mike Trout's thinking that's my best pitch. I'm not throwing my best pitch. It was just such a – I could watch the cat and mouse going as they're just looking in. The catcher never even called for a split. So Shohei clearly said, I'm not throwing a split because he knows I'm going to throw it or he thinks I'm going to throw it. I don't know, man. That was It was just so fun. And I know it was like didn't – if it ended in like a, a crush ball like caught on the wall, like that would have been sick or even Trout getting, hitting a homer, but – just for Shohei to go away from his normal approach as a pitcher. Because normally, if he has a power hit in there, he hits fastballs in, splitters in, and then he'll break some shit away. But he was just like hard as he could, right down the middle. And he's like, nope, slider. You're not getting my best pitch. I'm, no shot. You're looking for that. It was just like, I don't know. It was fun to watch him think through that at bat. I think the WC, WBC writers hired the NFL script writers. You, 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 can't, you can't write a better script than Trout versus Shohei for the title on the line. It with was a two outs, cat. with two outs, three two count. Mike Trout has had three swinging strikes in only twenty four of his six thousand one hundred and seventy four career MLB appearances. He's swung through three times in the same at bat twenty four times in his six thousand plus appearances. He did it last night against Shohei Otani. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I kind of buried the lead a little bit. Today's episode is actually not completely about the WBC. We're actually going to do over-unders because we got to move forward. Opening day is a week away. So we're going to be picking our over-unders for the American League East in this episode. We have a ton of episodes coming out over this next week and a half. We're going to be doing over-unders for each of the six MLB divisions. Today, we start with the American League East. We'll have the National League East coming out later this week. So stay tuned. American League East, the uh, excuse me, the New York Yankees are favored to win the division, and their over/under mark is set at ninety-four and a half, according to Vegas Insider. All of these over/unders will be according to Vegas Insider, so I'm not going to repeat myself. Yankees, ninety-four and a half. Are you taking the over or under? Oh man, that's tough. I'm going to go under. This has nothing to do with like me being a Red Sox guy. I just think injuries are going to be you an get issue. tired of qualifying that every single time. Yes. Talk about the Yankees. my God, yes, yeah. That Even on like CBS, so like really, I'm like yeah, yeah really. Um, I just think they're going to have injury bug issues. Yeah. And listen, they went ice cold for a long time last year, and without Aaron Judge, 
they were in a bad, bad place, but he was still driving in three runs a game because for some reason teams were still pitching to him. <laughs> I don't think – I think Judge has another great year. I don't think he hits 60 homers. I think he hits like upper 40s, 50. I think that's Bummer. a real possibility. Bummer. Right, right, poor guy. <laughs> Struggling. Like, just keep grinding, bud. You'll get it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go 92, and I also think – the AL East is just going to be really competitive. It's also less games too. It's only you're only yeah. playing 52 divisional games instead of 76. But the AL East is also playing the NL East. So that the NL East is well, the top three teams in the NL East are three of the better teams in baseball. So that's going to hurt too. Um, so I'm going to go under. I think the Yankees win 92 games. Okay, and you have them winning the American League East division. No. Okay. Stay tuned. Teaser. Uh, I have them at. I have them over. Uh, they've had ninety nine or more wins in three of their last four seasons. Yeah, and people poop all over Aaron Boone. I'm like, dude, he wins ninety plus games every year. Yeah, it's a lot of games. Not him, but he's he's a big part of it. I think at the end of the day, Yankees this the bar is so high. So if you're of not course. winning World Series or making it, they so they won hundred and ten wins every year in a in a ring. That's not good enough in Yankee fans' eyes. That's yeah. the standard. It's a different world out there. So you add, you re-sign Judge. You add Carlos Rodon to your rotation. You add, you bring back Tommy Canely, bring yeah. back Anthony Rizzo. You lose Jamison Tyone and you lose Aralda Chapman. Chapman was, you know, kind of a non-factor anyways, not a big deal. You're swept by the Astros in the ALCS last year. The Yankees are in a different spot this year than in years prior, though, because now all of a sudden they have these young studs that could potentially replace guys like Isaiah Kinnerfluff at shortstop. Yep. And they're having monster springs. Oswaldo well, Cabrera, 864 OPS this spring. Anthony, yeah, but like, are those guys even going to make the team? Like, Volpe, I, I want Volpe playing short. Right. And Dominguez has got to be a part of it. Like, he, they, these guys have been, I understand development, and I just cut you off, and I'm sorry. Good, but man. Volpe, I got saw, I saw Volpe in person, and he hit a home run to right center. So, backside over the bullpen. Now, the wind was blowing to right, but like, this ball was tagged. Mm hmm. For a shortstop, and he's not big. According to Aaron Boone, the starting shortstop position is still to be decided. It's probably going to be Peraza. Could be Peraza who has a Peraza has had of those three, four guys I just mentioned. So Oswaldo Cabrera, Anthony Volpe, and Jason Dominguez. Peraza has actually had the worst spring of those four. Right. Jason, Jason Dominguez has a fifteen sixty five. Let's OPS. let's not forget like. Volpe has like 46, 47 at-bats. It's a small sample size. Yeah. He had a 30% strikeout rate in AAA last year. So let's not yeah, be like he's the next coming because he he's very good. But this, this is a small sample size of spring training where guys can go off and then do nothing. So um, I do like him. I think he plays out well. I do think he starts the year in AAA. You have him under. I have him over. I think yep. they win the division. Playoffs are another story. We'll see where they're at. How about you read your little spiel about each team, and then I'll give my answer after. That's fine. I actually maybe you'll so. sway me. I told you before this. I actually change strategies. Normally, I do all my notes via computer, Microsoft Word. I went old school and went pen to paper, and I think I like it better. I yeah. think I like pen to paper. It's something about okay. writing it down. I think I'm getting older. Twenty-seven years old now, which is <laughs> shocking to me. Toronto. 90 and a half is what their 
uh, win total is set at they had 92 wins last year, 91 in 2021. They were swept by the Mariners in the American League wildcard last year. They added first baseman Brandon Belt from San Francisco. They traded for Dalton Varsho, added Kevin Kiermeyer, signed Chris Bassett and Chad Green. I think their X factor is really Jose Brios. What does he have left in the tank? There's a rotation. And uh, I feel like they have two. I feel like Kikuchi, too. I think Kikuchi's really like, if he's there, great. His stuff is phenomenal. His command is not. I think you make a great point, actually. Whoever decides to step up and take takes that four starter role, it could be Brios, Kikuchi. No, I think the four, I think, will be Bassett. I think Kikuchi's five. I think Barrios is three, Gosman's two, and Manoa is one. I think basically you need three starters if you want to dominate, especially in the postseason. So, oh, for sure, yeah. I think Manoa and, and, and to win. Bassett. I mean, and to win series. Yeah. Know? So I think Manoa, Gosman, Bassett. Those are your most consistent. I think Bassett was a massive ad, dude. Great addition. I love him. He's he's good. He's an all star two years ago. Let me say, let me just let me just go ahead and say this. The Jays win the AL East. Really? They it's close. Like it is a heavyweight battle. By the way, the I'm hammering you over on 90 and a half. Oh yeah, I'm I'm saying 93. I think they I think they win it by a game. Mm-hmm. Game or yeah, I'll say I'll say a game. 93 wins for the Jays. They win the AL East. They take down, they slay the dragon. That is the New York Yankees. Last year, they struggled in the outfield defensively. Uh, they were 21st in defensive runs saved in the outfield, and they were 18th in outs above average. Dalton Varsho, who they acquired from Arizona, he led all of Major League Baseball among outfielders with 17 outs above average. We know what Kiermaier is, is about. And Kiermaier is a platinum glove, three-time gold glover. So now you have defense in the outfield. That's why, what's their, what's their GM's name? Oh my God, I'm blanking. I'm blanking too. Ross Atkins. Yeah. He assessed. James Click's their... over there too. Huh? James Click is over there too. Oh boy. Well, keep your ears open for banging in the tunnels. All right. Um, I mean, that was, you just said it like that was a glaring problem for them. And they were like, well, we'll fix it. Yeah. Fixed it. Yeah. Added a starter. Fixed and it. They're, they get a, they're, they get a full season of Anthony good. Bass too. Infield defense is good too with Chappie over at third. You got Bobachette at short, and Vladdy was really. I haven't even gotten to like their offense. Like, it's hard to say Shohei's not going to win the MVP, but I think Vladdy is like right there again. Yeah, I think Vladdy goes ham. So they move the fences in a little bit at the Rogers Center too because they did all these renovations. It's beautiful. Like they have, you know how the bullpens are in like left field and right field. There's like walkways above them now. So the bullpens are like enclosed under, you can see still see through the fence, but there's like people standing on top of it. Now there's like a concourse area, standing room area above the bullpens. You have to look it up. It looks sick. It looks so sick, but they had to move the fences in a few feet for the renovations. Mm-hmm. That place is already a launching pad. And that, that, <laughs> that uh, lineup is like scary, really scary. Yeah, there's a former, I feel like they're playing with metal bats. Like that's how hard they hit the ball. There's a former Red Sox third baseman who hit the ball pretty well in Toronto, from what I Dude, remember. Hell froze over that day. You have R.A. Dickey's number. 
Did you, is oh, your top you know, you know who, you know who the third homer was off of? Mm. Dave Bush. You know who that is? Mm-hmm. He's a pitching coach for the Red Sox now. Oh, you let him hear it now, huh? Nah, not really. Mm. Not really. But what, what is knows. what is Shohei saying to Trout in the in the uh, clubby once they show up to spring training after strike? I'm your daddy. What's up, baby? One nothing. How you doing, buddy? You gotta look at my uh, Instagram story. This it was a. Here, let me show you. Yeah. Uh, there was a fun. He, is bit. it the slapping image of Shohei and Trout? Nah, we shared else. that from the CBS Sports account. I don't know if you can see this. Hold on. Let me start it over. Oh, I saw that. Yes, the uh, the TikTok meme going around with uh, Nicholas Cage and. I forget the other dude's name. <laughs> Make your own kind of music. Make your own type of sound. I think I butchered it, but something Cameron's like that. like, not focused now. Let me fix it. Wow. Hammering the over on Toronto. 90 yep, 93. 93. And you're picking the Blue Jays to win the American League. East. I am. I don't hate it. It's fun. It means it'll be exciting, which I'm hoping for. I My picks are also based off, I mean... Not totally what I want because if I wanted the Red Sox would win it, but I don't think they're going to. Picking I think with- they are in a battle for a wild card, the last wild card, though. I'll say that. Tampa Bay Rays, their over under win total is at 89.5, which is the exact same number as the year before. Last year, they won 86 games. So they were under their win total last year. They were still able to make it into the playoffs via the wild card. Uh, they were swept by Cleveland. In the first round, however, they had the second most days spent on the injured list last year in the American League. They dealt with injuries with guys like Wanda Franco, Tyler Glasnow, uh, Brandon Lau. Supposedly, these guys are going to be healthy now. So Wanda Franco, to me, his contract says it all. Tampa Bay does not spend money. They handed Wanda Franco nearly $300 million, just depending on how his incentives work out. They handed a kid that had little to zero experience at the big league level. Tampa Bay has never spent money. They've had, they've never had a payroll, I believe above 25th in major league baseball. And they handed this guy $300 million at 21 years old. That to me, I trust the Rays. Look at their history. Look at their resume. We should all trust the Rays front office. They're telling us this kid's going to be an absolute star. Last year, he wasn't healthy. Wanda Franco is going to be an absolute star as long as he can be healthy because I trust the Tampa Bay Rays front office. Can't predict health. Yandy Diaz was fourth in the American League last year with a 146 WRC plus behind only Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, and Jose Altuve. Very strong season last year. Is that an outlier year, though? What was that? Is that an outlier year, though? Is it just like... We'll see. We'll see. But you got guys like Brandon Lau coming back. Hopefully, Glasnow will come back from his, was it, oblique injury that he's dealing with now? Um, and you know what? Yeah, it's an oblique. But, like, guys like that that keep getting hurt, he is shredded, by the way. Like, no body fat. Like, I feel like that doesn't play in baseball, especially for pitchers. You know what uh, Pedroia always told me? You don't need to be shredded. You know why? Because you can't pull fat. You can't pull fat. True. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I found right, a Petey. way. I see you, Petey. I hear you. Can't pull fat. It's true. But um 89 and a half. I'm under over. Over. Under. Over. Under. 
You're going under. You don't believe in the race. Another year. In I don't believe. I don't believe. And you never believe in the race. I don't believe. Here's the deal. Anti the Tampa Bay Rays separated themselves for years analytically. They do nothing different than most teams now. Most teams have really shrunk that gap of an- in analytics and metrics and how they scout, um, how they game plan, how they pitch, how they bring in guys. It's not a secret anymore. The issue is they're pretty on it's a pretty even playing field when it comes to analytics now except other teams spend money on the superstars right so now i feel like the rays are gonna have to start spending money to keep up and they're not i have them at 81 wins i think they're a 500 team so you had them finishing fourth in the division or fifth because we have the orioles and the red sox coming up i have them tied for fourth tied for fourth all right I agree with you that analytics has kind of caught up and they're searching for what gives them an edge. And I don't think they've found that. Yeah. And I'm not like a Ray hater. Like I, this isn't yeah. like hate. I just think that's a real thing with teams, teams caught up front offices caught up. Zach Eflin, the highest paid pitcher in Tampa that's Bay. That's a big ad for them. I love yeah. Eflin. I, I played with him when I was in Philly. But isn't it kind of funny that a relief pitcher for the Phillies is now the highest paid pitcher in Tampa Bay Rays franchise history. Yeah. Like he started like, a lot for the Phillies too. He did, but he got kicked to the bullpen in 2022. It's like yeah. it's kind of a, a funny contrast. You're taking the under, I'm taking the over for Tampa Bay. Oh, and look what we have here. Old Boston, 78 and a half. That's what that's laugh for. that's laughable. Really? 78 funny and a half is laughable. It's a slap in the face. This might get awkward because I'm taking the under. You're taking the under? You're oh, let me guess. You're gonna go with the injury history. Yep. Yeah, I know it scares me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. And my my number my number is purely based off of if they can stay relatively healthy. Now, if they if they if they get hurt like last year where they're missing three, four starters at a time, yeah, it's gonna be ugly. But I, I'm basing it off if they can stay relatively healthy. I know they're not going to stay all completely healthy. I do have this written down in big letters. I said, I wouldn't touch this as a better because I could see the Red Sox going win 95 wins too. <laughs> no, I don't think they win that many. I, I could see them winning mid to upper 80s if everything goes right in their wild card team. Or I could see them winning 73 games. If if they fall apart health wise, which I don't think they're going to fall apart, I think Chris Sale has a really good year this year. They had seventy eight wins last year, so they're basically saying, "Will the Red Sox win one more game than they will last year?" That's what the the betting world. They is. are m- much better. They blew so many saves last year, and they you, walked you so that, many guys in the bullpen. You they say that, but Kenley they Jansen. They they brought in Kenley Jansen. Eighth all time on the close list. Only six guys in the history of baseball have 400 saves, and he's nine away from that. That's how, sick. How many? They uh, also have they also have defined roles in the bullpen with setup guys. With Chris Martin, they brought in guys who don't walk people. He had a three percent, one point eight percent walk rate with the Dodgers last year. He pounds his own. Corey Kluber, yeah, he's getting older. He's not the same guy. But he's had a three percent walk rate. He's going to eat innings. Nick Pavetta is going to have a four and a half ERA, but 
he's going to eat innings as well. I, I don't know, man. I just I think Chris Sale has a really good year. I'm not calling for Cy Young. I hope so. Yeah. I'm. I, yeah. I, I'm not calling for Cy Young or anything, but I think if he can make 25 starts and log 140 innings, like that's a win. And then Garrett Whitlock, who had a full season off season to compare, uh, bleh, not compare. See, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Prepare, jeez, prepare to be a starting pitcher. He's going to be good. And then you need to watch. Here's my X factor: Brian Bayo. It's baby Pedro, dude. Mm. Look up video. I want you to put video in right now in this pod of Brian Bayo. Look up his uh, last outing against the Phillies in spring training. He's throwing 96 mile per hour sideways balls. Like this isn't. So his last year numbers, let me explain. Cause his numbers don't look good from his starts last year. Number one, they had to bring him up too early. I think he was underdeveloped and he was overmatched when he came up. I think he was trying to pitch like the rest of the league with throwing fastballs up and then, you know, above bats and then break stuff below the zone. That's just not who he is. He is a sinker baller with like velocity. He needs to pitch down in the zone and mm. be a ground ball monster. Change Look, up. watch this kid's stuff. Changeup's very good. His changeup is disgusting. But watch his fastball. It fit, it, when I'm watching this video, this was after his first six starts last year. So June 21st, he had 50 strikeouts and six starts. Yeah, his last... Uh... His last, yeah, five or six starts were very good. Ooh, he's got some movement to it, huh? It's filthy, and it's his 96. Arm slots, his arm slot's a little different. Yeah. He's not a big guy either. His arm slot's kind of three-quarter, you know? And he kind of short-arms it a little bit. Yeah. He's yeah. filthy. He's filthy. So watch him. I think if... Uh, All right. He's young, too, so he's like 24. I'll ask you this. <laughs> Bale looks good. Sure. Henley's a nice ad. Chris Martin. Sure. How many, uh, what about the offense? How many, how many home runs did Kenley Jensen hit last year? Doesn't matter. The Red does Sox he, had no power last year. Does he play shortstop? No, uh, he used to be a catcher. He doesn't play anymore though, right? Doesn't matter. No. So there's this guy named Xander Bogart. So he's gone. This is so tired. It's like gone. We're, Another guy. This named, doesn't even matter. Another guy named JD Martinez, not in the line. JD didn't do shit last year. Oh, Michael Waka gone. Nathan Eovaldi, see ya. Yeah. Solid pickups with Yoshida, Justin Turner, Adam Duvall. Yep. I like that. I love. Mm-hmm. I, I like those ads a lot. But you're losing your captain and bogey. I, I I agree. JD Martinez didn't have the best of years last year. You can replace that. Pretty- bogey didn't hit for power either. But a team that won 78 games last year and you're losing your starting shortstop and you're losing two of your starting pitchers with Waka and Eovaldi, that's why I'm going under. Eovaldi struggled last year, too. He was hurt a lot, too. He did. You're right. Waka was their best pitcher last year, but based off of the metrics and expected ERA, expected all his expected numbers, yells luck and outlier year. I hate to say that because he's one of my boys, but based off the analytics, I understand why they didn't re-sign him. Boston, um, I can see Boston win 90 games for sure, though. I that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, I'm right there with you. If they're healthy, they're a very competitive team. Yeah. Very competitive. Even offensively. I I I think they're good. And I I can I could it's my job to tell you if they're not. If they're healthy, they are good. 
I, you got to think this is without Trevor Story too. Yeah, that's a key. That's a key missing. That's key. So that's a hole. So let's say he comes if he can come back late July, August first, and they're in the hunt. That's a big pickup. Yeah, no doubt. You know, if it's you know that that'll be massive if he can make it back. And he's ahead of schedule right now from what I you know when I've talked to him. But um, I'm I'm gonna go 85 wins. All right. And like I said, that is based off of them being relatively healthy. And you have them in the playoff picture? I have them. So that is the thing. There's going to be like six, seven teams fighting for that last spot. Yeah. Angels. Mariners. Mariners will be in, I think. I think they'll be like the the first one. They got to think. Okay. Astros. Jays. Yankees, according to you, right? Yeah, Yankees. Only one team from the Central, and I'm going to go Indians. Or Guardians. Guardians. I did that last episode. Yeah, I'm canceled. Yeah. Um. I said, did I say Mariners yet? No. Mariners? No, I didn't. Because those... The White no, Sox could no, come no, out of nowhere. I don't think so, dude. Yeah. I mean, anyways, for the last spot, you're gonna have like six teams: White Sox, Twins, Twins, Angels, Rangers. It could be all. It could be the Rays, Sox, and O's going for it too. So it's, it's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch in September. Final team in the division: the Baltimore Orioles, who surprised everybody last year, going 83 and 79. They lost to free agency, ruining a door in Jordan Lyles. They added catcher James McCann from the Mets, brought in former all-star Adam Frazier. They brought in Cal Gibson, Cole Irvin, and Michael Givens. When Adley Rutschman played last year... They re-signed Michael Givens? Uh, they traded him away, then re-signed him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when Adley Rutschman played last year, they were 63-50, and 50, 13 games over 500. Turned around their entire season. Mm-hmm. It's the next generation's Buster Posey. Seems that way. Now they're going to have number one prospect in all baseball, Gunnar Henderson. And Nasty. hoping to have Grayson Rodriguez, who is a top MLB prospect, top 50, top 30. MLB he looks prospect. good. He's looked good this spring, too. They're hoping to have him in the rotation. Now, the rotation also is supposed to have um, lefty changeup extraordinaire. What's his name? Oh, he had Tommy John. John Means. John Means. So maybe he could come back later in the year. Um, it's still kind of be yeah, it'd be late. Determined. It'd be late. He blew he blew out in April last year, right? Yeah. So it, it would it would be late. It would be like, like August, September at best. Yeah, but you you take into account too. Kyle Gibson's a very strong starter. Cole Irvin, who they brought over from Oakland, nobody knows about Cole Irvin. Swerving yeah. Irvin, he was in Philly when I was there. There, really? Mm-hmm. How did he get to Oakland? By plane, probably. I don't. It's a good guess. <laughs> Cole Irvin's a really strong starter, too. So I think the rotation yeah, good. is decent, and I think the offense with Adley, Gunner, uh, Jorge Benteo was stellar defensively. He still has Cedric Bollins out there. You still have Austin Hayes. I think the lineup's pretty good. So uh, I'm taking the over, 76.5 for Baltimore. I'm taking that the over means, as well. That, that's low. That's a low number. I got him at 83. The the betting world or the, the sports books are essentially saying that they think They're last worse. year was a fluke. They think last year was a fluke. I think they could have done a little more in the offseason, but I still they still they yeah. still made some good moves. I think they're just putting a lot of weight on hey, these are our guys, we're gonna stick with our young guys and go. 
I got them at 83. I think they're competitive. Just that young core group of guys that go out and play together every day, kind of building something. I'm not going to compare them to the Astros, but I played against the Astros when they were losing 95 games. And then they started getting better and better and better with that core of Altuve and Correa and all these guys that came up playing together and they built that. So that's kind of the road they're on. I'm not saying they're going to turn into what the Houston Astros have been because they've turned into, I can't say dynasty, but a well, very good American ball. League, American League dynasty for sure. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. They've cut, they've, yeah, they turned into that over the past few years. So I think that's the uh, route they want to go. <laughs> Obviously. I got them over 83. So I, I, I upped it. I had them in the race tied at 81 and I was just thinking about it and I forgot about, um, Grace and Rodriguez and Irvin. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll give them two more wins. So I got the race. I got the race finishing last. Interesting comp that you mentioned the Astros because everyone's thinking, well, the Astros have a high payroll and Baltimore is still, despite winning 83 games, still refuses to spend money. Houston had the lowest payroll in Major League Baseball in 2013. Well, they also, uh, that whole young core was making league minimum. They just like had they are in international players like Jordan exactly. Alvarez. Well, they brought over Jordan from the Dodgers. Uh, Tuve, Christian Javier, Framber. Like, you know, they got him for pennies on the dollar internationally. And then now they're top 10 in payroll, the Astros are. So I don't know if the Orioles are willing to do that. Time will tell. But if you're wondering... How could a team like the Orioles become the Astros? Well, the Astros were, to your point, very similar to what the Astros were back in the early 2010s. It's interesting. Yep. So you're hammering the over on 76 and a half. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I am too. That does it for over-unders for the American League East. National League East is coming up on the next episode. I think we're going to differ potentially on Braves, Mets, and possibly the Phillies who might top that division. We might debate a little. We would never. Us? No. We would never do such a thing. You know I like my Marlins, too. That's disgusting. Till next time, people. Wake and Rake Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Talk to you next time.